Greetings, every nation, Rosebank. Delighted to be with you this morning. I wish we could be face to face, but it's my privilege to end the sermon series on hope, which has spoken to the hearts of so many people. Every Nation Rosebank remains just our home for, for myself and Nicola, and we just send so much love to you. Wish we could give you all a big hug post the season. So let's go to the Word this morning. Thank you. We're going to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, by the name, was written to the Jewish believers. And Hebrews chapter 6 is probably one of the, the richest and deep and most textured, complicated, if you like, chapters of, of the entire Hebrews. And Hebrews is a complex book in itself. And it, it starts off with, with a deep challenge to move beyond basic doctrines, move beyond the doctrine of baptism and, and repentance and, and faith in God. And, and then it goes on to talk about those who have received the rain and, and aren't bringing forth fruit talking about people who listen to sermons, who go to Bible studies, who go to connect group, but there's, there's no market change to their lives. There's no actions that follow salvation. There's no actions that follow the, the impartation and the gift that has been given to them. And then he says, but I'm not talking about you guys. And we pick it up here in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, and it says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. Then he says, for God is not so unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And that sounds like you guys. And then he says, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. In other words, go all the way. Then he says, so that you may not be sluggish, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And then he takes the Hebrews to something that would be close to their heart. He takes it to their forefather and our father in the faith, Abraham. He says, for when Abraham made a promise, sorry, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. This is the only time where we see God swearing, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God to desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, the Holy of Holies, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. <laughs> Paul is writing to, to the Hebrews, and he's saying to them, keep going. And then he gives them an incredible reason to keep going. He tells them why they should have hope and why they should keep trusting God. This verse, this moment that he's referring to, is in Genesis chapter 22 where 
God says to Abraham, are you all in for me? Are you all in for me? And in response to what Abraham does, God swears and, and God promises. Now let's back up a bit. And I want to remind you of the story of Abraham. Abraham's forefather traveled, went only half the way, went from Ur to Haran. Genesis chapter 11. Chapter 12, Abraham receives this call to go to the promised land. And, and God promises to bless him and to, and to be his God. And, and so Abraham goes. And it's not all plain sailing. He comes to a land where people are hostile to him. He comes to a land where it turns out that there's a, there, there's a famine. He ends up leaving and going down to Egypt where he faces tyranny. He faces crisis with, with his family, within his family. Um, <laughs> he denies that he's... That, that he's married to his wife and he, and he says that um, she's his sister and he nearly loses her. He has clashes with, with his nephew. He, he has to go to war. It's not all plain sailing. And yet Abraham continues to worship God. He continues to make sacrifices. He continues to press into relationship with God. And God blesses him. But there comes a moment in Abraham's life where, where he has this existential crisis. He basically says to God, I don't have meaning. I don't have purpose. I don't have a future. I don't have security. I don't have belonging. I don't have longevity. And this was reflected in one thing. I don't have a son. Now that might seem like a light thing for you. But in those days, to have anything survive beyond you, you needed a son. If you, if you wanted to secure your, your old age, you needed a son. So he cries out for a son. And we know the story, how he does it in his own flesh with, with Ishmael. And then, and then God gives him hope. He gives him security. He gives him what he's cried out for. And he blesses him. And he gives him his son Isaac. Abraham trusts God for the son. And now that he's got it, Genesis chapter 2, sorry, Genesis 22, God says, will you continue to trust me or are you putting your affections on what I've given to you. And Paul is speaking to the Hebrews, and he's saying to them the same thing, the same thing, just as Abraham is your father genetically, and even more so, he's, he's your father spiritually. As you have come thus far, as you have come thus far, will you continue to trust God? Will you continue to trust God for, to look after you, to give you a hope and a future, to bless you? Abraham passes the test with flying colors in Genesis chapter 22 when he brings his son to the altar. And having done that, God, God says to him, it's good now. And I'm going to both promise and I'm going to make an oath that you can rely on, that you can rely on completely. And, and that's literally the last time that we see God speaking to Abraham because God says, it's done. I've promised you and I've sworn to keep his promise. And in essence, God is saying this. I want you to know that I'm trustworthy. I want you to know that you can rely upon me. I want you to know that what I'm saying to you is going to happen. And Paul writes this in Hebrews chapter, chapter 6. Because he wants us as the sons of Abraham to have the same trust. That God is faithful. That God is true. That he's going to see us through to the end. Have you ever been in a situation where people don't trust you and you can sense it or they tell you, 
I mean, they literally don't get anything from you or they get the worst from you. And the inverse of it is when people really trust you, where people really believe you and you say it and, and, they, and they trust you. And I can say it in, in, in my life, those churches that, that want to receive me, they get the best out of me. Those people that trust me get the best out of me. And God made a promise. And then he swore an oath saying, it's done. Today we have commission of oaths who make people swear according to their conscience something to be true. And uh, if you stand before court of law, you've got to do the same thing and say, you know, I hold this to be binding on, on my conscience. And after Abraham had shown to God that he was all in for him, God guaranteed by two things, by both a promise and an oath, that he would surely bless Abraham and that he would bless his offspring. And that's you and I. Friends, God has so much in store for us. And all that is required is that we trust him, that we hope in him, that we have faith in him, that our hope rests upon him. Because as we do, like Abraham, we receive the blessing, we receive the promise. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And, um, you know, if, if you think about the environment of, of trust and hope, in a, in a business setting, there's this book called Speed of Trust. And it highlighted companies where there's high trust and high hope are so much better. And, and cultures that are high trust and high hope are so, are so much richer. And, and, and some of the greatest um, businesses and, and the greatest business empires were built on trust. Now, before we had SnapScan, um, we had credit cards. Before we had credit cards, we had checks. And the, the genesis of checks was something called negotiable instruments. And here you would have somebody would write on a piece of paper, literally, I promise to pay the bearer on demand. And that simple piece of paper that you could say, this person has promised to pay me, so I can't give you cash, but I can give you this piece of paper instead. And people would say, well, I trust him, resulted in international trade absolutely flourishing. So the Dutch built a vast trading empire and, and people couldn't um, shipwreck their, their ships and steal the gold for, pa for payment because there was no gold in their ships. What they simply relied on were what were called promissory notes, negotiable instruments. They were the forerunners of checks. And they were based on the fact that somebody's word could be trusted. That somebody said that if you present this piece of paper to me, I will pay the bearer on demand done by an oath. I swear to pay the bearer on demand. Now the question is asked sometimes, is there anything that God cannot do? Jesus himself said, nothing is impossible with God. But there are some things that God cannot do. God cannot be unholy. God cannot be weak. He cannot be less powerful than he is. And God cannot lie. And his promises to us are faithful and true. God makes a vow. He makes a promise and he makes a vow to Abraham. He swears and he holds himself to it. And so today we reap the benefits of being the sons of Abraham by faith. Now it's interesting in, in the world today, uh, you get these people who, who don't even know God but are, 
are wanting oaths, are wanting people to swear by things. The, the famous artist Pablo Picasso, he had many girlfriends, many wives, and one of them, he, and he was an atheist, he dragged her into a Catholic chapel, and he made her swear, make a vow in the chapel that she'd be faithful to him for the rest of his life. And, and it's, we are looking for people to be faithful and true. Thank God. He, our God, is faithful and true. And that which he promises, he will come through for. God's word to us today is, despite your anxieties, despite your disappointments, despite your fears, despite the challenges that you're facing, God's word to you is, trust in me. Put your trust in me, because I am faithful and true. We see in verse 18, it says, we have fled for refuge. We have fled for refuge. We who have fled for refuge might have a strong encouragement. Now to the Jewish mindset, when you say we who have fled for refuge, he's talking and it would have triggered in their minds the cities of refuge. And, and God established in Leviticus chapter 35 that there'd be six cities. And if you sinned by killing somebody by mistake, and the avenger of the blood, their family, their, their mafia family, if, if they came after you, if you fled to the city of refuge, you'd be untouched. They couldn't, they, they couldn't avenge you. You'd be safe in those cities. So it was for the case of um, involuntary manslaughter. You made a mistake. And, and this is the interesting thing about these six cities, three straight down the middle of Israel and three on the other side of the Jordan. They were, they were easy to reach. They were open to all. And you would find a place to live in these cities. And it would be the only alternative. It would be the only option to you need. Friends, what is Paul saying here? He's saying, we have Jesus as our city of refuge. Not just for our mistakes. Not just for what we've done inadvertently. But for our sins. And like the cities of refuge... Jesus is within easy reach for those of us who are needy. And all of us outside of Christ are needy. And just as the cities of refuge were open to all, Jesus is open to all. Anybody who would, who would run to him, he will receive. And thirdly, just like these cities would be a place where you could live, Jesus is the place where we are meant to dwell. You didn't just come to the city to look around. You came in time of need and you stayed there and you dwelt there. And lastly, just like those cities were the only alternative that you had to be safe, Jesus is the place of safety. So as we're talking about, as we're talking about hope, I want to speak directly to you if you feel like your, your sins have separated you from God. It's true. Your sins do separate you from God. But if you run to Jesus as your city of refuge, you will receive covering. You will receive forgiveness. You will receive safety. My, city, my sister who, who lives in Canada, who recently faced a tornado warning. And so they all ran under their house to, to their room of refuge um, in the cellar. And fortunately, nothing happened. But in that refuge, they were safe. Some, some people have safe rooms in their houses and uh, parts of their house where they can s slam locks from criminals. 
Friends, we have a city of refuge that is Jesus. Do not let your sins keep you from God's presence. Come to Jesus. He is a city of refuge. Next image that we have for the Jewish mind. Verse 18, it says, Hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure, steadfast anchor of the soul. It's a powerful image of an anchor. Our hope is an anchor when we face hardships. Our hope, this hope that we can trust God, that his promise is true, that he's sworn on earth, is an anchor when storms come. And all we need to do is to hold fast to this promise of God, this anchor. Just keep on. Just continue. Just endure. Just hold on to the anchor. Do not give up. Have faith in God. Persevere in God. Even though hardship is your present reality, it is impossible for God to lie. And he's going to bless you. And he's going to come through for you. So we've got this hope as an anchor because of storms that we go through. And and we also have this hope as an anchor because we drift. We start drinking the Kool-Aid. We start thinking like the world does. And, you know, soldiers, sorry, sailors, sailors would throw the anchor downwards. What do we do? We throw our anchor upwards. Our anchor goes within the veil. The earthly anchor goes into the depths of the sea, but ours goes with, through the veil into the very presence of God. Our hope takes us into the Holy of Holies. Why do we drift? We drift because we are, we are too easily pleased. So what C.S. Lewis says, we, we are too easily pleased. We settle, we become content. We pursue things that distract us, like money or relationship or a job. Now, friend of mine, Brian Glover, lent me this anchor. And a uh, beautiful anchor, small anchor. And uh, let me just let it come out here. And uh, there's something called the kedging anchor. You've got your main anchor, but you've got a kedging anchor. And, and this can be used if the ship has, has run aground um, and is, a, is in a difficult place. Then they'd send out a little rowboat. And they'd drop it as far from the ship as possible. And then with this anchor, they would, and obviously big ship, much bigger kedging anchor, they would pull themselves off the rock. If it was a very small boat, they'd literally swing this around and cast it far from them and then pull themselves. And so they would winch themselves off the rock. They would use this kedging anchor to take them from the difficult place to the place of safety, to the place of blessing. Friends, we have an anchor. And literally it's that same image. We are meant to take the anchor and cast it towards God. Put our hope in Him. Cast it into the Holy of Holies. And then holding on, literally pull ourselves off the rocks that that are going to destroy our lives. Take hold of this kedging anchor and cast it. And pull yourself off the crisis that you're in at the moment and come to a place of safety in the very presence of God. Verse 20, it says Jesus is two things. He's both our forerunner and our high priest. That, that word forerunner is podromos for my Greek friend Dimitri. And it was the Greek special forces back in the days of Alexander the Great who would go ahead, who would find a way. And Jesus is our podromos. He is our forerunner. He has gone ahead 
like the Delta forces, like the Rekis, and find a way for us. A way that is a way that is good, a way that is safe. He's been tested and he's been tried and he's overcome and he's made a way for us. And Jesus is our forerunner and he says, this can be done. There's a hope and a future. Just follow in my footsteps and you'll get there. And then it says that Jesus is our high priest. You know what a high priest does? He represents God to the people and he represents the people to God. And Jesus stands as our high priest in the order of Melchizedek, in the presence of the Father, ever making intercession. And so we have someone who's for us and on, on our side and batting for us and, and is moved with sympathy with our weaknesses because he's been tempted in every way as we have, yet without sin. And so we've got a forerunner, a podromus, and we've got a high priest, Jesus, who goes before us. And so therefore we can have hope. Because there's a way for us. And there's someone who's gone through onto the other side into the Holy of Holies. And he's standing before the Lord and interceding on our behalf. Kenneth Copeland talks about how can we keep hope alive? And he says the following. Build some dreams. Have dreams. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Sometimes after failure, we, we give up dreaming. Sometimes because of disappointments, we stop dreaming. But God wants us to dream. God wants us to hope. God wants us to counteract the fear of failure or the experience of failure with dreams and hopes and visions. And we need to turn up our hope. And, and how do we do it? We fill ourselves with the Word of God. And we meditate on the Word of God. And, and we pray and we spend time in His presence. Yeah, my, my beautiful wife, Nicola, has been, been struggling with COVID. And um, after three days, she wasn't healed. And after a week, she wasn't healed. And we kept hoping. And after two weeks, she wasn't healed. And, and now we're in the third week. But our hope is strong that she's going to be healed, that she's going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and we will testify of this. So we are filling ourselves up with hope and trusting to overcome. I want to wrap up the way we began, right at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 6, where it says, For God is not so unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown in his name in serving the saints, and you still do. And we desire every one of you to show the same earnestness and to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you might not be sluggish, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. In other words, God is saying, don't slack off. Don't stop doing what you're doing. But be diligent. By faith and perseverance, inherit the promise. Be people who are full of hope, and you keep living all in for Jesus. Recap of my points. God is faithful, and he can be trusted. And just as he promised to Abraham in Genesis 22, and from then on it was done for Abraham, God has promised, and he cannot lie. And secondly, God is our refuge. Jesus is our refuge. And if your sins have separated you from him, then push into that city of refuge, Jesus, and receive cleansing and forgiveness that your hope would be restored in relationship with the Father would be restored. And thirdly, we have hope as an anchor, which we literally cast 
into the presence of God and then hold on to it and pull our little boat until we get into the Holy of Holies. And fourthly, Jesus has made a way as our forerunner, as our podromus. And so there's a path that we can live, a path that we can walk. We can live this life with victory. We can live this life knowing that as we follow after him, we have a hope and a future. And lastly, we rest and we have hope in this, that Jesus is our high priest who has presented the perfect sacrifice to the Father and lives to ever make intercession for us. And he is for us. He is on our side and the Father's on our side as well. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would fill you with hope and that you would live a life holding fast to the anchor of hope. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, touch your sons and daughters that they would live lives full of hope, Lord God. Lord, they would not be be wavering, Lord God, but they would trust that you cannot lie, that you do not lie, that you have sworn by your own character. And so we can trust in you and we can hope in you. We can find refuge in, in you. We can cast our anchor into your presence. Lord, you've made a way for us and you stand ever to make intercession. Breathe hope upon your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Roger, for that encouraging word of hope. I'm not sure where you're at right now. I'm not sure what your story looks like. But I want to encourage you with Isaiah 66 verse 9, where it says, Shall I bring you to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord. Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says God. During this time of uncertainty and pandemic, I felt God lay it on my heart to press deeper into Him and seek Him for the help that I need. I may be forced to fast the things that I love, seeing the people that I love, coming to church. But it is in this time, as we press into God, that He lays the foundation for the time to come. That He readies our hearts for the things that He has planned for us. I want, you to, I want to encourage you to press into God for what you need, because He will bring us to the time of deliverance. He will not bring us to this place without birthing the new things that He has for us. So press into Him, seek Him for what you need, and use this time to the fullest to lay the foundation for what God has next. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this, please hit the thumbs up. Otherwise, subscribe to our channel and hit the bell to be notified of our next event. Thank you for coming and see you next week.